I want to tell you a story. It's a story about a scandal, broken relationships, gossip, rumors, money, corporate rivalry, and a broom. A performance-enhancing broom. My name is John Cullen. I'm a comedian, podcaster, and for 20 years, I was a semi-professional curler. And I want to tell you the story about how a single broom almost imploded the 500-year-old sport of curling. We felt like we were bringing a knife to a gunfight. It's the story of a superstar and his fall from grace. Oh, I was being dragged through the mud. It's the story of two brother entrepreneurs with a dream. <laughs> I said, that's great news. It's a story of intrigue. I still don't understand why we want to keep his name secret. The full story has never been told, so I'm going to tell it. Broomgate. How a broom almost killed curling. It was a year I'd like to forget. To listen to Broomgate, search for Broomgate in your favorite podcast app. That's all one word. Broomgate. Welcome into the club. It's the Varsity Club podcast, and it's Friday, and I have now seen Avengers three times, and I'm feeling good. You guys didn't really need to know um, that I had seen Avengers, but we're not going to talk about that movie again today, but I just felt like pointing it out. I've got Greg Smith on the other line. Greg, buddy, how are you? Uh, I'm great, man. So I am a little jealous that you've seen it three times as I've only seen it twice. I tried to get my wife to see it again this weekend since we'll be out that way by the IMAX, um, and she shot me down. I uh, saw it with my family most recently, and my brother had had the movie spoiled for him, so he knew it was happening. Oh, no. And he, and he was still devastated, uh, nice. as was my father, who had no idea what was happening, and so he left the theater in a very bad mood. <laughs> that stinks. Actually, it's funny because I think, I mean, we may have talked about this last week, but my wife left the theater in a very bad mood, too, because she didn't know what was going to happen, and she was quite upset as well. It's just one of the things with the movie. Um, I want to shout you out for a second, Greg, because you're basically the the host on this podcast, and I'm just here for attempted comedic relief because you are always helping out, and you're awesome. Thank you for being awesome. Hey, not a problem, man. I I just do what I can, you know? You know who else is awesome? Who's that? LeBron James. He is fairly awesome, yeah. This man has single-handedly ended like five Eastern Conference teams over the course of his career. There was the Pistons in 07 when he destroyed them. Then he went to Miami and destroyed the Boston Celtics. Uh, then he destroyed the, the Roy Hibbert, Lance Stevenson, David West, Paul George Pacers. Now he is the mayor of Lebronto. He's like the harbinger of death in the Eastern Conference. So that's so crazy that you named all of those and actually forgot one. Remember, he destroyed those upstart bulls as well. Oh, my Derek gosh. Rose. The Derrick Rose, Joakim Noah Derek bulls. Derrick Rose at, at his complete height of his powers. MVP Derrick Rose with full ACLs intact when he was more athletic than anyone. And they could not do anything with LeBron. Like, they would put LeBron James on Derrick Rose and it would be the end of that. Did he scare Derrick Rose's knees out of his body? <laughs> a combination of uh, LeBron and Tom <laughs> Thibodeau's uh, playing style. Oh man, I feel bad for the Timberwolves now because like you've got Carl Anthony Towns and Jimmy Butler getting run into the ground. Okay, uh, <laughs> do, do, <laughs> yeah, that's a whole another. We could do an entire hour on that. Yeah, we could. Um, do we, I have a question for you? Do we have a problem with just appreciating greatness? Like, I, I'm honestly kind of tired of the goat argument and that that discussion. I kind of just want to appreciate what LeBron is doing. It's like Kobe's 60 point farewell game. 
yeah, he took like half the team's shots, and yeah, the defense wasn't a hundred percent engaged. But like at I, 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 some point, I just want to shut up and appreciate like what he's doing. LeBron is in his fifteenth year, and he's he's carrying a sack of potatoes to the Eastern Conference Finals. I do think that we have a problem appreciating greatness, and I wish we didn't. But it is it is kind of the – especially – and I don't know. Maybe it's because we spend so much time on social media, both for personal use and for work, that we kind of see a lot of this. But it is the nature of kind of the social media age that we live in, that everybody just wants to get, get the jokes off um, and do some hating. And it feels like it's wrong if you're just appreciating how great anything is. It doesn't even have to be LeBron, though LeBron, it comes up with him on a nightly basis when they play Um, but it always makes me wonder how we would view other stars in different eras had they gone through this same social media age now I've said numerous times that I think that we'd view Michael Jordan a lot differently um, for a bunch of different reasons um, if he kind of came up through this age but I actually think we should give LeBron extra credit for being as great as he is in this era and having no scandals also in this era Um, I think we do just need to sit back and appreciate that especially considering what you said about him being in year 15 which I have a really good friend that loves to remind me that he's doing all of this in year 15 which is amazing yeah I mean it's it's incredible and that's you brought up a good point that's probably the thing I love most about LeBron James is the the only black mark if you can even call it that on his resume is the the decision when he left Cleveland and even then he did it at a boys and girls club and the right. proceeds went to like needy children like he's a, he's a great dude off the court and you never hear anything uh bad about him are you surprised at all by what he's doing by what he's doing on the court yeah uh no not at this point i was at the beginning of the season um because i thought that at some point this has to slow down it has to end and all that's happened is he's gotten better but he's as good in this postseason as he's ever been um so at this point in the season no i'm not surprised he's been doing it all year but yeah I, i can definitely say i was surprised at the beginning of the season because at some point though this does have to it's i don't think it's just going to end because if he even if he slows down and this is the scary part for other teams Let's say he slows down a little bit and his numbers take a little dip. What does that look like? He goes from being the best player in the league to the sixth best player. Like, you know what I mean? Like, there's a long way that he has a large margin for error that he has to drop off before he's not effective. Like, that's what's the, what's crazy to me. Yeah, I think LeBron James in his twilight is going to be better than Jason Kidd was in his twilight. Because when I look at LeBron James and say that he's... You know, when he starts to decline and when his offensive game starts to decline, he might not be the best pure player in the NBA, but I could very well see him being the best point guard in the league. You could surround him with a bunch of shooters and just say, run pick and rolls and play make for other guys, and I could see him doing pretty well at that. So that's interesting that you say that because I've always thought that he'd eventually end his career as kind of a stretch power forward. But it's it's like how that's changed over time and how we think that he could play any number of positions as he gets to the end of his career is kind of amazing as well. And I think another testament to just how great he is. Yeah, I will say this. Uh, I love it, but I want Boston in the finals. Um, I think they're a better matchup for whoever comes out of the West. And maybe we even get Haywatch back. Uh, You've been been looking at Rachel Nichols' Twitter feed. I have. She's all over that. (laughs) Haywatch is a thing, and I love it. Um, I I just, we already saw the LeBron show against Golden State in 2015, and it didn't work, and Golden State is better now. 
I want to see the best defense in basketball against the best offense in basketball. Uh, but I'm still going to cherish every second of LeBron James until that happens. Yeah, I'm, I'm not with you on that at all. Um, I want to see uh, the, the this would be the third part to this series of LeBron versus the Warriors. Um, I want to see that. This would be four, see... dude. Oh, this is four? Yes, this is this would be the fourth year in a row. What, how am I confused? Which one did I forget? So, so, the, there was... so the Warriors won the first one, and then the Cavs won, and then the Warriors won, and now we're back to... Yeah. You're blocking out last year because war- the Warriors just steamrolled everyone, and it wasn't a fun postseason. Okay, maybe maybe that's how that happened. So, no, I'm still on board with that. And one of the reasons I was telling my dad this, we were talking about this the other day, is that I feel like we're in the middle of one of those 30 for 30s, right? Like, you know how you had that Boston versus Lakers miniseries of 30 for 30s that they had? Like, we're in the middle of that with this rivalry that we've got with the Warriors and the Cavs. It's just, it feels like, again, appreciating greatness that people... People don't appreciate it like they hate it while it's happening and then 20 years from now there's going to be all sorts of documentaries and books on this uh there will be just like there will be <clears throat> excuse me just like there will be 30 for 30s and documentaries and books on uh the rise and fall of my thunder uh that doesn't mean i want to watch it happen in the present <laughs> let's let's get into today's show uh joining the club a little bit later we're bringing in colin gay from the lantern uh, he's a sports editor over there. We talk about Joey Burrow and the Ohio State Buckeyes. Um, I had a great interview with him, and, and we'll get to that in a bit. The Huskers hosted a, a pretty marquee Juco prospect. Uh, this week, we'll talk about that. Nebraska got a running back commit this week. We'll talk about that. Nebraska might be gaining ground on a key 2019 recruit, and we'll talk about that. But first, the big news of the week, and it came out Thursday. Breon Dixon is immediately eligible. That's huge. Uh, Not because Nebraska needed depth at outside linebacker. I think that linebacker room, uh, in my opinion at least, is the deepest on the team. Um, But because when I look at Breon Dixon, he is exactly what Eric Shenander wants at that outside linebacker spot. He's fast, he's athletic, he can cover, and he can attack. Uh, And and he's a playmaker. And I think Nebraska needs more playmakers on that defense. Um, He was all over the field during the spring game. Greg, what are your thoughts on him being able to play right away? I I think it's great news for Nebraska, obviously. I think that they do, and I'm with you, they do need, they just need to be more athletic and to have more options, right? And so he definitely checks both of those boxes. It gives you an athlete that's played some major college football, um, that's really versatile and allows you to line up in a variety of ways. Um, I, I have mixed feelings on the depth question at outside linebacker because I still think you have a lot of question marks whether it's Dixon's size even though I'm excited to see him out there and how you know dynamic he can be as an athlete um, Luke Gifford's health um, whether or not guys like Colin Miller or Guy Thomas or Alex Davis whether those guys are ready to take that next step um, so I, I think that there's a lot of bodies there and there's a lot of potential I just need to see it out there before I can really buy into it um, but they certainly have enough options to be able to pull this off and I think Breon Dixon gives them a guy that allows them um, to keep their base package out there. If he's out there, they don't have to sub as much. Um, and he can also provide some really good matchup problems rushing the passer, too. And maybe he can be that guy that solves that pass rushing problem. Um, it, it's a great day for Nebraska. And I was joking with some people yesterday. 
that it almost seems like the way that the Huskers' luck goes, that Shea Patterson would have gotten cleared, the rest of the guys would have gotten cleared, uh, but Breon Dixon wouldn't. Um, but, you know, thankfully things worked out for Nebraska, and they get a pretty good player to throw into the mix right away. Yeah, you uh, you were listening off the outside linebackers, and you forgot one very important guy. You didn't mention Tyron Ferguson. Oh, yeah, who's been getting a lot of praise throughout this yes. spring. Yeah, He also looks like a monster. Like, he looks really, he really big, really... He's added some bulk. Uh, when it comes to size, like when I look at Nebraska, they're not a big team. Like they're not, you, you know, you look at like Wisconsin and Ohio, like the big boys in college football. Like they, they don't have the, the size, the sheer size of other teams. Uh, I think it was Jerry DiNardo from BTN when he was here. He had that same observation that they're not, they're just not a very big team. Uh, but but I like, like I like the, the depth at outside linebacker. And I think Brayon is a guy, like you said, he he can do a lot of things. His versatility that they want on defense, and I'm I'm excited. Does his does his addition? Um, I know he's been with the team, but it, it, being able to play right away, does his addition to uh, the depth chart this year? Does it change how you view the defense? Does it change the expectations of of what you think they can do? Um, real quick before I get to that, I do want to mention too, another person mentioned about the team looking small. Uh, my buddy Paul Meyerberg from USA Today actually told me that exact same thing. He said they look small um, when he was here for the spring game. So it's interesting. And I'll be curious to see if in a couple of years of Zach Duvall, if people are still saying that, uh, my guess is no. Um, but yeah, I think that he does give them something. Uh, Breon Dixon does being immediately eligible because that, that versatility um, is a really big deal for this defense. And I think that that if, if the more different looks that Nebraska can give people on defense, um, the better off that they're going to be this year. And especially considering kind of the injury history that they've had on defense the last couple of years, if more fresh bodies, the better um, for them, That especially guys that are quality options. Absolutely. Take a little break and then we'll get to my interview with, uh, with Colin Gay from The Lantern. Now let's talk some Buckeye football. I want to welcome in a new guest making his podcast debut. It's Colin Gay from The Lantern. That's Ohio State's independent student newspaper. Colin is the sports editor there, and that that paper does tremendous work. Um, I I put them up there at the top of of the list when it comes to college papers. Um, They do really amazing stuff. Colin's worked for uh, for Rivals and Land of Ten also, so he knows this stuff too. Um, It's at Colin, Colin with one L, Gay17 on Twitter. Uh, give him a follow. Colin, what's up, man? Thanks for coming on the show. Our pleasure being here. First, I got to ask you, are you a LeBron James fan? <laughs> I'm, a, I'm actually a native of Houston, Texas. So I enjoy watching him play, but um, he's he's very fun to watch, but I wouldn't consider myself a LeBron James fan. Okay. Um, all right, then we'll uh, we'll just move on. um what are the chances what are the chances that he comes to ohio state nebraska this year because i want to meet the king (laughs) i don't know i mean i think that depends on what i mean how big this game is heading into week nine if it's if, if scott frost does what people think he might do at nebraska i mean i wouldn't be surprised to see him in columbus for that game that'd be cool i like that uh, let's talk about what has become the biggest news of the past couple of weeks surrounding Ohio State and really kind of surrounding Nebraska, too. These two programs have been uh, 
have been talked about in the same breath probably more than they should be, given what has happened on the field in the last couple seasons. Mm-hmm. Um, but Buckeye quarterback Joe Burrow has announced his decision to transfer. Uh, he'll be a grad transfer, mm-hmm. but he'll have two years left to play. Some people want those two years to be in Nebraska. I am not one of those people. Uh, from what I hear, there's not really serious interest from either side. Burrow has visits with Cincinnati and LSU this weekend. I'll ask you this. What is he looking for in his next team? Well, I think it's pretty simple what he's looking for. One of the things after the Ohio State spring game, um, he said it pretty clearly. Um, He said, I came here to play. I didn't come here to sit on the bench for four years, and I know I'm a pretty darn good quarterback, and I want to play somewhere. So really, all in all, he's looking to start. He's looking for a situation where he can come in and be the guy for the next two years at what whatever program he goes to, whether that is um, LSU, whether that is Cincinnati, or whether that is um, Nebraska. He just wants to be in a situation where he can be the quarterback and be the guy. He doesn't want any real competition. He wants to be convinced by the time he steps foot in whatever city he goes to that he is the guy for that for that offense. Does that make you worry at all about the, the competitive nature of him? Or do you just look at him as a guy that's that's only got two years of eligibility left and he wants to play. I think uh, from what I've heard from players, I mean, he is a competitive guy. He's not been like scared insane what his opinion is in terms of him wanting to play. I mean, that's why he came to Ohio State to win the starting quarterback job after JT Barrett left. No, it doesn't it doesn't really bother me in terms of what his competitive nature is. I, I just believe that I mean you go to a college program like Ohio State to start, and it hasn't worked out for him, so he's going to try it, I guess, somewhere else. Um, and that's going to give him a, more of an opportunity. I don't think, based on his reaction to how he's leaving, I don't think uh, that's going to be, you know, he's going to hold a grudge or speak poorly about Ohio State in that way. It's just it wasn't his time uh, for Ohio State, and he's going to try that somewhere else. That's a good way of putting it. Are you are you kind of on the? I mean, he's the the hottest quarterback on the transfer market right now. Are you are you on the hype train? Or I mean, he he's only I think the number is like forty nine career uh, pass attempts. Are you pumping the brakes a little bit, or do you think he can be really good if he goes somewhere else? Well, I think what he did in this in the spring game for Ohio State kind of shows what he could do um, somewhere else. I mean, he was very so two things i mean he was very very accurate um for this at the spring game 15 for 22 for 238 yards he has good relationships with receivers uh throwing two touches he he can also run a little bit too um he didn't show that as much but really what people called him here at ohio state was he was kind of jt barrett 2.0 so it was when it was the quarterback battle between dwayne haskins and joe burrow it was either you're going to get a quarterback that can be more like jt barrett or you can get a guy who's more of a pro-style quarterback, stays in the pocket more, can run a little bit in Dwayne Haskins, but has um, what many consider to be a very, very good arm or an exceptional arm. Um, so Joe Burrow is going to get you a, a veteran presence. He's sat behind JT Barrett for, a, for three years, and it's just now his opportunity to, to start. And it's his, uh, he, he has game, in-game experience, and he has – um, he has practice reps under um, what many consider to be one of the best quarterback coaches in in all of college football. So I, I do believe that, I mean, 
no matter where he goes, whether he stayed at Ohio State or whether he left, I believe that Joe Burrow is a very good option for any offense that he does end up going to. Yeah, and I, and I think that's I think that that's, that's a really good way of putting it. I think that's where the appeal comes from uh, from Nebraska's side. Um, I think he's he's going to be able to go somewhere and start. Like I said, he's he's the guy that everybody wants right now in the transfer market. Um, but when I when I look at Nebraska, I think four years with the freshman that they have right now, unfiltered, has a higher ceiling than two years with Burrow and stunted growth for the guys behind him. Um, and, you know, Nebraska, if he comes here, he's joining another quarterback battle, which, like you said, he doesn't want to do. Um, I guess mm-hmm. this is my main question when it, as it relates to Nebraska. It might have already been answered elsewhere, but I want to ask you, would Ohio State even grant a transfer to a place like Nebraska, or would that be blocked? See, that's that's the main question when it comes to Nebraska. I know it's been said uh, that Joe Burrow, or Ohio State, excuse me, would the only the only stipulate or the only block that would be talked about is to a school within the Big Ten, and many people think that could be. I mean, the obvious one picks are Michigan or Michigan State within the division of the Big Ten Conference, but but I do think that I mean. Ohio State will play Nebraska Week Nine in Columbus, yeah. and I do believe that. I mean, if you if you put Burrow in in Nebraska, I mean, what I, what I've said about uh, Burrow at Ohio State, he, I mean, as I said, he's JT Barrett, or he could be what JT Barrett was, just in a smaller capacity. So I don't think he. I th- I think Ohio's or Urban Meyer would be worried if uh, Joe Burrow were to put a Cornhuskers uniform on. Uh, so I would not be surprised if he does not allow, um, he does block that, uh, that transfer ability to go to Nebraska just based on what he knows Joe Burrow can do and what he could, uh, what he could do with the Cornhuskers. Yeah. And so, I mean, this could all just become a moot point. Um, let's move mm-hmm. off, move off Burrow for a second. The spring game was three ish weeks ago. Um, theirs didn't get canceled like other big 10 schools. You guys got to see football. <laughs> Um, how did you feel about the team leaving the press box that day? Were there any surprises uh, that you saw? I mean, what were your main takeaways? Well, one of the main takeaways for me, I mean, it did revolve around that quarterback battle. I mean, mean, other than Burrow, who really did impress me uh, in in the pocket for Ohio State, one of the things that, I mean, explained or surprised me or came out was, the ability of um, it was Tate Martell. Um, so he's going to be, he was class of 18 or, or class of 17, excuse me. And he came in. Um, he Myra said for um, weeks on end that he was a part of this quarterback battle. And he really, what he really did show me, um, he did not um, show much of a throwing ability. I mean, he showed that he can use his legs um, rushing for 74 yards on 11 carries, but, he didn't show me that he could uh, be a significant option inside the pocket. So really what that showed me, if Burrow were to transfer, I mean, it showed me that Dwayne Haskins, it's Dwayne Haskins offense if Burrow were to go and which we do see now, excuse me. And so Haskins, he showed his throwing ability, throwing um, maybe a little uh, less, uh, completion percentage than you would like to see, but he did show his ability to um, throw the ball deep 33 yard uh, pass. 
um, to Benjamin Victor, one of the um, main options in terms of deep ball or red zone threats for Ohio State. So he did show his deep ball ability, and I do believe that he did show with the with Tay Martell needing kind of refinement and kind of not being ready to be an all-around quarterback for Ohio State. I do believe that Dwayne Haskins showed that if Burrow were to go, which he is gone now, that it's his offense to lose at this point. Interesting, because there's still, I mean, as, as Urban Meyer has said publicly, it's still a quarterback competition, but I think that's the sense that most people got. I mean, I, I remember listening to the calls for Dwayne Haskins last year. Um, I find Ohio mm-hmm. State in an interesting spot heading into this season. On defense, you have potentially the number one overall pick in next year's NFL draft and in the Bosa kid, and, and that front seven is still nasty. Um, but on offense, for really the first time in like six or seven years, we don't really know what to expect from the quarterback spot um, or have a definitive answer yet of who will play it. Um, I'll ask you bluntly because it seems like Ohio State has been an, an upper echelon team for an eternity, pretty much all of Urban Meyer's tenure now. Um, will this team take a step back this season, or is there enough talent throughout the rest of that roster to, to maybe overcompensate for a, a slow or an inconsistent start from a quarterback getting his footing? I think I think that's a fair assumption in terms of watching a quarterback kind of mold into make it his team. I believe, though, with the running game that Ohio State will get back, whether it's J.K. Dobbins as the main uh, the main running back whether it's Mike Weber as the main guy, or whether it's a little mix of both, um, kind of what maybe a lot of people here have been talking about what Georgia did last year and what they did with those two running backs and Sonny Michelle and Nick Chubb and seeing what could that be if Ohio State did utilize that kind of running game. But with those two veteran guys, and J.K. Dobbins was an absolute, he was fantastic for Ohio State last year, I think people assume that Ohio State if, if Haskins is not showing, I guess, consistency in the passing game, I mean, people think that Ohio State can get past big games or get through big games with solely the running game. Um, and I believe that with that, I mean, the expectations are still, I mean, always with a team like Ohio State. I mean, expectations are very, very high for this team. Now, when you have an early season matchup at T or it's a it's considered a uh like a it's in arlington texas but i mean it's not considered a home or away game for any of these teams um but it's again you got a road game against or a technical road game against tcu you got at penn state um early in this those are the first six weeks of the year um so really those games are going to be time for Dwayne haskins to prove uh, what his ability is, but I do believe that the expectations, despite having that inconsistency or not knowing what Haskins could bring, I do believe that, I mean, the expectations for this team because of the running game, because of that front defensive line with Nick Bosa and you have Chase Young there too, that many people are very, very high on. I do believe that, I mean, the expectations are very, very high for this team. I forgot about J.K. Dobbins. That's like not even fair. They have a <laughs> they have a running back that no one is talking about and he just brutalized opponents last year um i want to i want to read a stat to you and then a quote for Mm -hmm. you and i want to get your reaction so the stat is in the last three meetings ohio state has outscored nebraska 181 to 55 so they've scored 60 twice now the the quote you've got urban meyer and jim harbaugh thinking we better put a little more 
into that Nebraska game coming up, and that's the way we want it. They're running a little bit scared right now, and they won't admit it. We'll leave that at that. That was Bill Moose at a luncheon with reporters last week. Um, He walked those back a little bit, calling them kind of tongue-in-cheek comments and meant to point out that there's a renewed energy in Nebraska uh, that the competition is aware of. But hearing that first score differential that I mentioned and then hearing the comment, do you have a reaction or do you have any thoughts on that? That's the amount of confidence that, I mean, I guess people in around the Nebraska football circle, I mean, that's a lot of confidence in uh, Scott Frost. I mean, that's kind of the culture that seems to be instilling in this program through what Scott Frost did at UCF. And I do believe, I mean, to a point, I mean, that is legitimate. I don't, I don't believe that for Ohio State they should be any more, I guess, worried about this game, especially early on when, as I said, uh, the Buckeyes have games against, like, in Texas versus TCU. They have a game at Penn State. I do believe that there is a legitimate, depending on what happens in those games early on, I do believe that Ohio State should um, should take Nebraska, especially if Adrian Martinez, if he is the starter, or say say they get Joe Burrow. Um, if there is a quarterback that is a has made some noise in the Big Ten um, up to week nine, I mean, Ohio State, I, I mean, it definitely should be, Nebraska should be on their radar, especially with last year, with um, the play of receiver J.D. Spillman. Um, I mean, yep. he had 11 receptions for 200 yards. Yep. I mean, like there should be, I mean, and that was against one of the, I mean, the cornerbacks last year for Ohio State, I mean, they were very, very solid with Damon Arnett and then Denzel Ward, who was a first-round pick. I mean, anybody who puts up those kind of numbers against Ohio State, I mean, that should warrant some concern. But I believe at this point, until the Big Ten, opponents in the Big Ten, including Ohio State, sees what Scott Frost actually does, especially early on into the season, heading into that Week 9 matchup, I don't believe that Ohio State should look at uh, Nebraska any differently than they have been over the past few years. Okay. Well, h- how have they looked at Nebraska over the last few years? Is it is it one of those things where it's, okay, this is a win for us? Or is it one of those things where Ohio State looks at Nebraska as like, well, they just need to get their crap together, uh, and then we need to look out when they do? Well, I think, I mean, right now, I think it's that they're getting – I think I would think that Ohio State thinks that I mean they're in the process of getting their crap together. I, I, I do, with the hiring of Scott Frost and then his ability in in terms of recruiting seeing talent like J.D. Spielman. Um, I do believe that maybe they're in the process of it, but especially but with the pro, um, but really they don't know what they're going to see week nine, and I I don't know what we're going to what Ohio State's going to see in week nine. And it's it's really just a mystery at this point. And going back to that score differential that you were saying earlier, I mean, really at this point, I mean, I think Ohio State just goes based on that and goes into that game very, very confident, assuming that weeks one through eight go the way that they want them to. Yeah, definitely. And and and, and when I look at Ohio State, I've, I've always looked at Ohio State as not really a team that you want to give bulletin board material to. I mean, I, I graduated from OU, and so I was there uh, when Austin Kendall made those, you know, basic defense comments, and they had mm-hmm. the sign in Norman, and then the the big sign in the stands. I, I just don't think Ohio State is somebody that you want to 
give a little bit of extra motivation to. So I think that that game will definitely be interesting. Um, that was everything I had for you, man. I really appreciate you uh, you joining the club. I enjoyed it. Um, we'll, we'll have to do this again yeah. in October when we're in Columbus for hopefully a more competitive game. Absolutely. Thanks so much. Good stuff. That was uh, that was Colin Gay, sports editor at The Lantern. Give him a follow back on Twitter. Um, Greg, I'll, I'll turn to you now, and, and we'll turn back to Nebraska. Um, let's shift gears and talk about recruiting because there's a lot going on. Um, big-time JUCO, outside linebacker, defensive end prospect, Jermaine Johnson the second. He was in Lincoln uh, on Thursday visiting the Huskers. What can, you, what can you tell us about him? Yeah, I mean, he's a 6'6", 240-pound defensive end slash outside linebacker from Independence Community College out in Kansas. Um, I talked to him last week sometime, and he told me that Nebraska is definitely recruiting him as that hybrid outside linebacker slash rush end. Um, and he is a dynamic pass rusher. If you watch his film, like he can really get after the quarterback. He's got great size, and he's also got a really good, interesting connection to Nebraska as he's really good friends with uh, wide receiver Jay. J.D. Spielman, as they went to the same high school um, up in Eden Prairie. Um, J.D. was not here on his visit that he was on yesterday um, with his brother, um, but J.D. says that they will be talking here shortly about that. And he, he, from all accounts, he really enjoyed his visit. That's a guy that's way up there towards the top of the board for Nebraska because he is the prototypical outside linebacker that they're looking for to add this, a dynamic pass rusher to this defense. When we're, we've been talking about a bunch of these outside linebacker guys, these dynamic athletes that can do a bunch of things, and I, I keep thinking back to a conversation that you and I had uh, last season. You had said something about uh, it, Nebraska switching, transitioning to the three-four defense, and not having the kind of talent at outside linebacker that you need to make that defense work. How do you feel about that position now, after a year? after a year of recruiting under, or after a couple months really of recruiting under Scott Frost and moving forward um they still don't they don't have those guys like like you're just gonna lock them in and say yep that's the guy that's going to be that player um still as of yet they have but they are building options like I don't think it's as void as it was when we talked about it a year ago um I love Caleb Tanner coming in um out of Georgia four-star recruit that's gonna play that um hybrid outside linebacker role but it's tough to then throw all of that on a true freshman though I know he wants to and is preparing to contribute um that's really hard to do right so I think they'll be good with that with him and in the future, but right now, immediately, that's going to be tough. Breon Dixon um, gives you that option, and I think he can be pretty good in that. Um, well, it remains to be seen if Luke Gifford can stay healthy and be out there, because I do think that he gives you an option, but that's about it, in my opinion, so I think that you do need to continue to, to develop those options, both the guys you have on your roster already, and you need to continue to try to recruit guys like Jermaine Johnson, and they've got a bunch of those um, types of options on the board right now with that hybrid outside linebacker spot. Um, to continue to try to sure that up because what ideally I think what Nebraska would like to do is to get a guy like Jermaine Johnson who is a Juco player who can contribute immediately and then also backfill that with another prep player who's a similar caliber athlete as well they got a uh, they got a running back commit this week and Ramir Johnson he's a high three star uh, by our stuff he's a track star he's fast he's a return man thoughts on him Greg 
Yeah, I think Ramir Johnson is a perfect fit for this offense. Like, I, I, it's and, and I think that what the commitment of Ramir Johnson did too is gives you a real good picture and a blueprint of what Nebraska is trying to do with the running back position, right? So if you look and you listen to so, and I don't know if you talked to Ryan Held and those guys a bunch during the spring, just like I did, and a couple of things that they mentioned consistently about running back is they need speed, they need guys with vision, they need guys that can catch the ball out of the backfield, and they need guys that can be one cut and go, right? Ramir Johnson checks all of those boxes the same way that Thomas Grayson, um, the other running back recruit out of Oklahoma that they got earlier in the spring, also does. Um, he's a really, really good fit. Plus, um, he's from the state of New Jersey, which has been fruitful in the past for Nebraska. So to get back in that area, uh, Mike Dawson is, is kind of the lead recruiter out in New Jersey. Um, but obviously, Ramir talked a lot to Ryan Held, and he told me Coach Frost also took a personal interest in his recruitment, which is always a good sign for guys. Um, but no, he I think he's going to be a really dynamic player uh, for Nebraska going forward. Mike Rozier 2.0. <laughs> there you go. Not to put expectations on you, kid. No, we don't. We don't want to put uh, too lofty of expectations on him. <laughs> Not yet. <laughs> yeah. Um, that that's a that's a good running back room that they're building. You've got Devino Zigbo and Mikhail Wilbon. Um, I'll say coming off the books, even though they're not. You know, it's not salary or whatever but uh they'll graduate this year but then after them you've got miles jones you've got jalen bradley you've got greg bell you've got uh maurice washington when he gets here you've got thomas grayson now you've got ramir johnson you've got some serious skill in that backfield now uh that is cause for some excitement yeah, I think that the the days of the last three years of Nebraska struggling to get running backs are over. Um, and this is in this honestly is what it's been basically any other time period that I've been following Nebraska football outside of the last three years is where they get quality running backs here. That has always been a thing at Nebraska, and it should always continue to be a thing. Um, and I think Ryan Hell definitely will will work as hard as humanly possible to make sure that he's adding quality guys to his room. Yeah, he's all over the place, eating at all of the top restaurants. Let's talk about Marcus Hicks for a minute. You had a story up Thursday on the four-star defensive end on uh, HailVarsity.com. Go read that. You spoke with his dad, and there's some interesting stuff in there. Um, The perception that the Huskers are falling behind in his recruitment is not one that his dad seems to hold. He said, if anything, they're, quote, catching up. Um, You had a quote of his in there that stands out to me. Um, This is Kelvin Marcus's dad. He said, we really like Nebraska. They're one of my favorites. They're just getting in the game late. Marcus is truly a relationship guy, so they will have to dig their heels in if they are serious about getting him. There's a lot, I think there's a lot to unpack in that one quote, Um, but if Marcus is a big relationship guy, that bodes really well for Scott Frost in Nebraska, no? I actually think it does, and that that was pro- that was really the one of the first things I thought of when he told me that is that uh, that's actually very good for this staff because what we've already seen with this staff is is they are relationship recruiters. It's not necessarily you know there are some programs out there that are recruiting on flash um, and in very you know championships won you know you kind of use what you have right, um, but I think that this staff's strength is their ability to relate to players to build that relationship. Um, I think of a, a great story that Eric Chenander told, um, and I think it may have been you that said this to me 
me about, you know, when he goes to a town, you know, he's recruiting the kid's mom's hairdresser or talking to her and talking to other people around town about the prospect um, because he wants to get to know the ins and outs of everything and really build a full relationship with the kid. Um, and I think that does bode well for Marcus. Now, the only thing is, is that bodes well for recruiting him if they're recruiting him hard. Now, the perception that you got, um, or at least that I got from Kelvin and talking to him about Marcus's recruitment is that they don't feel Nebraska is recruiting him as hard. I don't know if that's a perception versus reality thing because um, I wasn't able to get confirmation on the other side of this from the Nebraska staff. Um, but that that's the portion of this that really remains to be seen. Why Why would they not be recruiting him hard? I don't know. See, that's the thing is that I can't come up with a logical reason as to why they would not. So I, I think it may be a, just a little bit of a perception, because even if you think about that, and I didn't put this in the piece that occurred to me afterwards, is that Nebraska did go visit him this spring. Remember, they went, I think Ryan held and Mike. Or no, Ryan Held and Jovan DeWitt went to Wichita to see both Marcus Hicks and uh, Brees Hall, who's a three-star running back at the school, who has a Husker tie, his stepdad played for the Huskers. Um, but they both went out there to visit him. So uh, it's not as if they're not recruiting him hard in my mind. I think that there are other schools that are maybe even more on him. You know, Michigan sent him or Jim Harbaugh sent him a postcard um, from overseas. Oklahoma's always sending him these cool edits. Um, Oklahoma State is in hard on him. Oregon sending him cool edits and, and is on him as well. So I think that there are um, just other schools recruiting him really hard right now, and Nebraska needs to keep up. Um, if Jim Harbaugh wants to be sending people postcards from France, he should probably, like, run a spell check before he sends it. <laughs> you were very upset about that. I was! You're a head coach, <laughs> and you're sending stuff to recruits. Like, you're sending stuff to convince a college or a high school kid's parents that you're right for him and you don't know the difference between like you are and your come on jim <laughs> i feel like that's just another strike against jim harbaugh right it's unacceptable it's unacceptable they should have they should what was it the was it amazon that did a series on michigan yeah i think so i think they're in talks to maybe do that again too they should uh they should have outed him as somebody that doesn't know that difference because that's a big difference it is. It is definitely, especially when you are trying to woo a kid into coming to your school. You probably should read that over once or twice. Yeah, that is a classic case of we don't care about academics here. We only want you to play football. <laughs> probably not, but that's how I view it. That's okay. Also, but I mean, that, that, that's a good point that, you know, the perception that you're not getting recruited as hard by somebody else because you're not getting a bunch of edits uh, or a bunch of, you know, cool graphics sent to you. That's, I mean, that's the the revolution the evolution of college recruiting i mean that's social media at its finest and and uh you know schools like ohio state and oregon and and oklahoma they do a great job of getting just cool stuff that they send to kids and kids like that that's why that's why nebraska has those odd emoji cleats (laughs) <laughs> that is correct. And I think that, you know, and I, and I know that there's people listening to us right now that go, man, who cares about that? And why why do kids care? They need to care the kids about the care. substance. The kids care. And I, yeah. I can't 
And I feel like I say this every year, a broken record over and over again, but you're doing that stuff for the kids. It's just another piece of the puzzle. It's not the main part of it, um, but it does show that you're thinking of them and that you care. It's the reason why Nebraska did all of those, you know, NFL draft edits and, you know, showing them with their name on their favorite jersey from their favorite team, NFL team and that they came from Nebraska. Like, there's a reason they do that stuff. It works, but it is part of the bigger picture, which is, hey, we want you. We're always thinking of you. But, oh, by the way, we're building that relationship quietly behind the scenes with you as well. I think maybe that's the piece that Nebraska is missing. Um, but and I, and I don't know if, if there's, there's been some turnover, I know, in that department. So I know that they, they might be ramping back up to some of that. Um, but it is definitely important. And I just want to put this out there. Maybe I'm, I'm off base on this. But when you get an edit like that, like if it was me getting something like that from Nebraska or something like that from another school that's recruiting me, like just knowing because I've done that that kind of Photoshop before, that takes a ton of time. Like that takes some serious time to put those things together. That's a that's an investment. Like if, if it was me, I'm looking at it like that is they they care. It's an investment, and I know that people are like, well, those aren't like they, they should commit to the school academics, blah blah blah. Like those things matter. Like it doesn't it doesn't matter what you as a you know a 45 year old dad think it matters what the 17 18 year old kid likes and you're trying to recruit him so i think that people are disingenuous when they say that it shouldn't matter because if they were when they were 16 17 years old they would have been impressed by that too like and yeah. I tell the story. I tell the story all the time about how I ended up at Nebraska, and part of what got me interested in Nebraska was the academic side sending me mail and sending graphics like via the mail, like little postcards. So I couldn't imagine how that would have affected me as an athlete and being able to share that stuff to people on Twitter. Like I, I think that people need to be real about the fact that that would have affected them at that same age as well. All right, man. Uh, that'll do it for today's show, Greg. It was fun. We talked to LeBron James. Always, always, always a pleasure. It was fun. We will uh, be back next week. Greg's got Big Red Recon. Probably will be posted by the time this podcast goes up, so read that on HailVarsity.com. we got plenty of uh, content throughout the weekend. Nebraska baseball is getting into a series with Indiana soon, uh, a big series with Indiana because they are trying to get into that eighth spot to get to the Big Ten tournament. Uh, we'll have plenty of coverage, and we'll be back next week. Keep it with the club. Thanks, guys.